0: From the lands of Tirislene to the kingdom of Galadorn and the village of the Nelwins and the immemorial city, this is Casterly Talk, the Willow Discussions, kicking off our coverage of not Willow the film, because we already covered that, but Willow the series. Should they have titled it something else? Willow 2, Willow, subtitle? We'll leave that up to you, but it's also called Willow, and we are here today. I am taking the lead on this quest, but don't worry. I didn't leave that grumpy knight at home. Oh, no. I brought him with me because I needed someone to take an arrow, just in case. I needed somebody to have my back, and that, of course, is, as always, our fearless leader, Ken Knapsack
1: is hey. here hey hey a grumpy night I, I i don't like sleeping on the ground i don't camp so i'll stay in the castle you all go have an adventure
0: yeah you could be the one that's like no we need you you're the commander and then later on you're secretly evil which is something that we will get into now this is a departure from some of the stuff we normally do here we're adding willow to the rotation we already covered the 1988 original film myself and nikki kumar we had a great time Talking about that film, I was revisiting it for the first time in years. Nikki was watching it for the first time. And then all of a sudden, boom, here we are. We're beginning this miniseries. It's headed up by Jonathan Kasdan, someone you might have heard of. He, along with his father, some guy named Lawrence Kasdan, uh, co-wrote Solo, a Star Wars story. So he's no stranger to the Lucasfilm family. But he grew up on this film, Willow, as did many people. Ken, you're one of those people included. And here we are a project that a lot of people thought maybe would never happen, seemed like a nice dream, but who cares about Willow, right? Well, someone did, and they put a lot of money into it, and here it is.
1: I love these stories of John Kasdan on the set of Solo telling uh, you know Warwick, I'm going to get Lucasfilm to do this. I'm going to get them to do it, and here we are. We did it. Dreams rarely come true in Hollywood, but it's uh, come, come true for this team. That's true. Yeah,
0: Ron, you know, Ron Howard of course directing solo probably helped a lot. Imagine entertainment is involved with this. You've got Ron Howard producing. You've got some uh, you know familiar faces but also returning creative forces. Episode 2, which we'll also be talking about because it was a double premiere, episodes 1 and 2 was actually written by Bob Dolman who wrote the screenplay off of George's ideas for the original film. So they got 73-year-old Bob Dolman to come in and play again, uh, which was really exciting to see his name in the credits. Um, these two episodes are called The Gales and The High Aldwin. We'll be talking about them together. Um, it's hard not to when they do these double premieres. We had a little bit of that as well with Rings of Power. We were covering that. But, Ken, tell me about your temperature going into this, having known Willow for a long time, having you know been mm-hmm. influenced in it at least in some way even if that way is just sorsha uh but you know we, we we had a lot of build up to this but it's also you know we can't we're not going to lie and act like it's some legendary property it's always sort of been the other one
1: yeah that's a great way to look at it and i uh, thank you to you and nikki for doing kind of a dive into the movie last week and we talked about that the previous week uh, i was 12 in 1988 when this movie came out so in one way i was perfectly primed for it and that was i saw it in theaters and i enjoyed it um jokes aside you know hey look we all start to form our identities early including our sexual identities and sorsha joanne whaley a, a a bold redheaded woman with a sword um something that stayed with me if you know my personal life i have a, a very fiery redhead fiance who is a broadsword trained so uh you know you, you know who you are early which is a, a different interesting social conversation to have uh you know and you know so i joke but that was part of my beautiful movie like ooh, I, you know, like this val Kilmer guy's doing crazy things and now he's, he's flying jet planes he's also mad mardigan uh, but I had a different relationship. I was 12. I was starting to play baseball. And by the way, you could, be, you could be a sports fan and you could be a fantasy fan. I really believe it's the same muscle. But back then, particularly, it was like, you're growing up. It's time to maybe not chase this and not follow Willa Ulfgood down the path. And so I had a, the movie was always something I enjoyed. It was always a, a special place in my heart. But I didn't interact with it like I did Star Wars. But hearing the news that they were going to do this series, I was really excited, excited for the people involved and big Warwick Davis fan, big Aaron Kellyman fan because of Infos Nest and a lot of the other people involved. We got our guy cord half hands in this series. Um, so I was just excited that a property that is loved by a lot of people is coming back. And, and I was all for it. But I was like, cool, you know, cool in that way of like, yeah, awesome. We'll get there when we get there. Then the trailer came out at uh, Celebration Anaheim. And I got to tell you, I was surprised and, and kind of blown away what I was seeing in terms of like, okay, they got, they're doing this. They're doing this. So I went in with a a, a good uh, solid high temperature to your question. I'll say this right now. I really enjoyed it. I think it does everything it needs to do. But this is one of those times where I'm like, you know, I, I don't have a passion for it as, as much as I do other shows. This is a, 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 a podcast feed about Game of Thrones, which I have a great passion, passion for. Lord of the Rings I have a great passion for. This one I'm like, yeah. I want to talk about it, but uh, there's some things that I struggle with and some things where I'm like, you know what? This this show did exactly what you'd want it to do, and I'm not connected with it as much, but others do. And I'm here to talk about what's in the show that is for everybody. And and that's I just want to be honest where my, my point of view is going in. Uh, and I think they uh, have done a great job. Yeah, it's one
0: of those interesting things where it's like your mileage may vary on so many choices that they make uh one of those things is is the comedy style that they've decided to embrace yep. some of the the modern elements uh, we were talking a little bit off air about how with some of these younger characters it's sort of in the same way that 80s Val Kilmer who you know we should address mm-hmm. his presence hangs over this show of course for real life reasons he's not able to be involved they have made some interesting quotes about still looking to the future for ways he could be if this mm-hmm. were to continue. Um, but, you know, we're not here to discuss maybes, but it, Matt Mardigan is still a huge plot factor, even yeah. if Val, you know, couldn't be involved. And again, for real life reasons, the guy's a trooper and mm-hmm. I love him and wish him all the best. Um, but it's it's an interesting sort of tracking of like in 1988, he was a 1988 type of hero. Yeah. Um, he wasn't doing an English accent. Willow was not doing high fantasy it was doing high fantasy tropes but in a very quippy sort of weird sort of very george lucasy way i mean you've got the brownies yelling and screaming the entire movie and all of that comedy is there so if you're taking that and making it 2022 then it will be a brother and sister you know dunking on each other for one of them sleeping around and the other one breaking rules and some of that feels very modern I, I some people i would say and i don't just not a comment on how what i think of it but you hear it's very cw thrown around yeah. or very like young and it is but yeah. it's an interesting situation of like sometimes we have to look at shows and ask what are they aiming for and yep. what are they trying to be versus what we maybe expect
1: yeah Th- this is where a great discussion point to begin uh for, for for me because i did rub up against some of the humor particularly in the first episode but that said you're not wrong about what the 88 series was you got pollock and rick overton uh two great stand-up comics back in the day i think people forget that pollock started there and, and overton's great i've done shows with overton like these are two 80s comics doing high sketch comedy type of material yeah you're right and i think this is thing where i i this is this is me alden having to really practice what i often preach to others about mm. Hey, maybe drop some of your expectations, drop your feelings of um, you're not pulling a lot from this because uh, I didn't walk away from these episodes like inspired. But other people did. Other people brought joy. And I need to meet the show where it's at and with what it's trying to do. And I think you're right. I, I think some of the humor didn't work for me in the sense of it's not even just the words, the cadence, the rhythm. It, it was very that the hey, so we're going to get married. That's weird. I got it. Those are moments I don't love. But also, this is what it needs to do. It, I'm not a parent. I'm choosing not to be a parent. Uh, if I had a 13-year-old, I'd be like, sit down and watch this. You're going to enjoy it. And I love that the show did it. And and I think you're right. It it, it This is what you would want out of Willow, a sequel, a, a series, including the humor. And I think it needed to be that for the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, because yeah. an element of Willow, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit in our, our last live episode a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, at the time of this recording, just now, when Nikki and I revisited the film, it's an interesting situation of when people say, Oh, well, that one, you know, it wasn't as good as Princess Bride, it wasn't as good as Legend, it wasn't as good as like Lady Hawk, or like any of those, whatever. Pick any of them, um, any 80s, I <laughs> any, any 80s. Oh, Willow, Willow was fine, certainly yeah. not as good as Star Wars or Indiana Jones, it's too cheesy. And I'm like, Well, the cheese is built in, and it's like yeah. that. I, I don't, I would almost be, I would almost rub against it if they tried to make the. Self-serious Willow follow-up. Like what I love about what John Cassavetes did wrong. here is yeah. he didn't make Willow in a way that was I want to make what I liked as a kid cool now that I'm a Hollywood screenwriter. He yeah. was like, no, 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 I'm just gonna do what I remember. Like I'm gonna do what it was.
1: Yeah, it's it's a wonderful re- revisiting of the world, by also bringing some new things forward. Which we're gonna talk about. They did some great updates to to the characters where they've been. But you, see, you made me laugh about the the, the humor. Again, it's not even that I think it's bad. I think it, I, I think it it does what it's wanted. It's just I'm at a point in my life where like, yeah it didn't hit. But you mentioned like Princess Bride. Love, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those big Princess Bride fans. I'm a William Goldman screenwriting uh, fan. Uh, he's got a very, uh, at the time is it '87. It's it's still timely. He's got a very modern, timely anti-Vietnam joke in it, <laughs> like all of shots character. So I, that's why I don't like to hold up that weird double standard. We all have things that you might r- rub up against. You and I talk about Star Wars, a uh, big-ass door boyfriend, got a cute boyfriend, or yeah, a Yo Mama joke, and the thought Like I expect people have different takes on. It. I'm a comic. You're not going to hit with. Not every joke's going to hit. Um, so that said, I, I think I think you're right. I think if they had come up with serious, gritty Willow, we'd be like, what the hell are you doing? That's not Willow.
0: Yeah. It's or Willow.
1: even just, a,
0: you know, it, serious gritty is something that happens a lot now and people almost want that too much or they don't understand what those terms mean. But even if they had done something still family friendly, but self-serious in a good way, like Rings of Power, which we always also covered here and we will continue to cover, that even wouldn't have been Willow. Like we talked about a little bit off air, The first episode is definitely let's establish all of our new players and then they're going to meet Willow boom, big reveal. And then we're into the second one. Once Mm -hmm. you get Warwick Davis in there, everything about that first one and everything we know about those young people starts to sing more because the original wink, wink, nod, nod snarky star of the first one is now there to elevate, to make fun of the young people push up against them but also to mesh with them and that's when it started to sing more i think i liked the first one but I, but i really love them together and i'm glad they were released together mm-hmm. you know that's always a conversation of are they doing it creatively or are they doing it because the early punch of double views is good for business but sometimes yeah. that works out both ways um, yeah this one played really well The two-part pilot
1: you can't separate the business from it, but just enjoy this part of it. You get two episodes no, And I think it worked. I, I think I definitely enjoyed the second episode more than the first, but first episodes are always hard, right? It, it, come on. It, it, you can throw all the table setting pieces on the board, uh, pungentry around first episodes, but this, the first episode is pretty solid. But the second episode when Warwick really starts to slide into this character, where he is in his life. I, I really big fan of Warwick. And, and I just loved uh, his ability to shine in that moment. He, I don't need Willow Ulfgood. It's so funny. Alden, because I even saw her, saw and heard some other people's expectations going in. And it's like some of them thought that uh, Willow maybe they lacked Willow himself. There was some mm. gravitas to the character missing. I was like, that, but that, that's not Willow Ulfgood. I think the appeal of Willow Ulfgood is he is not the Bilbo Wagons. I am not. He's not, man. He's, he's yeah. just, uh, it's, uh, yeah, let Willow be Willow. And he is.
0: Yeah. And that's part of, you know, having revisited the film, you know, looking at it, Willow's a young family man in that one. He's a young. This young couple, couple of small kids, farmer, like his story is one of lacking confidence and finding it. It's feeling yeah. inadequate and then feeling like you're good enough. He's never even at the end, Willow doesn't win in a way that's very modern. You know, especially talking to Nikki about it, who was a first-time viewer, there's a moment at the end of Willow 88 spoilers. Um although, you know, I'm sure you've seen it if you're here watching the sequel show coverage. Um Wand hits the ground if that was made now the wand would have flown into Willow's hand and it would have been his epic moment. But Uh, Ron Howard stayed true to the character that he established. And how does Willow win with sleight of hand? Like he's still a cheeky sort of trying to just make his way kind of a jokester, but kind of sarcastic and sassy him and Val Kilmer's chemistry that entire time is, is very much that dynamic. And they found it again here. And, you know, I guess we'll start, with these ideas of Willow, with these ideas of what where his character's at, Willow and Sorsha being the two legacy characters that are here, and again, Mad Mardigan, like we said, can't be part of the story for real-life reasons, but is part of the plot, for sure, in terms of why he's not there. Um, but for who they were able to get to return, you also have the character of Nims, who was Willow's daughter, this time being played by Warwick's actual daughter, Annabelle Davis, which was great. They have some great touching moments. Yeah. For the people that returned... Legacy sequels are big right now. Uh, we're running out of things to Legacy Sequel because we've done so many. Hey. Uh, biggest movie of the year right now, Top Gun. So, like, that's it tells <laughs> you where we're at. We're big Star Wars fans. We've done it there. Indy 5 on the way. Yeah. But they made some interesting choices that I want, I would love mm-hmm. to know your opinion on. Where yeah. Willow and Sorsha, it's not like there's bad blood, but there's a disagreement that happened before the show that is told to us out of sequence it's a little bit vague right now if i have one criticism you know or one thing that i'm you know struggling with but we'll i'm sure we'll come together later which is the thing about serialized television coverage people is that you know a lot of the things where you're like i don't know about that it's like yeah you're not supposed to
1: yeah. um,
0: who knew what when how much was yeah. shared because we find out that willow's vision was much worse than maybe it was originally thought to be so there are yeah. elements that we'll get into plot wise but taking willow and Sorsha to these places of fear and feeling burdened yeah. and feeling maybe like they didn't make the right calls and all of those things, uh, versus maybe something like Top Gun Maverick or like the ghostbuster sequel, where it's like, yeah, they're still busting or, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I'm still flying. It's a different tone. This was m- more like Willow, the, the Force Awakens, where it's like, ah, uh, Han went back to his old ways and made mistakes. How did you feel about seeing him framed that way?
1: I actually really enjoyed that. And simply because I had especially during the second episode where it really hits, uh, I had that feeling where I was like, why is Sorsha such an (laughs) a-hole? Like Mm -hmm. what's happening? And I think that's very clearly part of the thematic point. I think when we get to the deeper themes here, I'll talk about, I'm again, I'm not a parent. I don't want to pretend that I am, but there's some, there's a lot of stuff for parents in this show, uh, which is very interesting because I'm, I'm the outlier. I think most of the kids in my class of 1988, uh, sixth grade, probably our parents, maybe grandparents. grandparent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this show is also speaking to them and I think you needed that. And it was really interesting to find the, that there was a, a break in their union, so to speak, a break in their friendship, uh, this fear and, and, and how much of it is based out of protectiveness, which is that line parents have to ride. Uh, and it was, it was, it, it was interesting to me. And i think that's what you needed if it had all been your that 80s ending you pick up again and this is you know looking across the force awakens too you pick up the big ending everyone's danced and celebrated and all pieces falling on the realm how do you continue those stories you gotta have big bads you could have this and that i i think uh this fear of and, and what you said did we make the right decision you know ask me again in 10 years Tyrion will tell you now we are 20 years on in the timeline of, of the story um i think that's a, it's a fair question to ask. was this choice the right thing to do. It's a great starting point for these two legacy characters.
0: Absolutely. I think that having the older generation's decisions based in a little bit of fear, a little bit of paranoia, I think tracks beautifully with what we know about them because I think the show is a good jumping on point. They yeah. edit in old footage from the original yeah. film. They do a storybook prologue. Even episode two continue. I, I thought maybe the storybook was just for the first one, but they kept it going, which I like. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a nice way to set the tone. It feels very yep. family friendly. Yeah. And anyone can pick it up. But when you do know Willow and Sorsha, because this is, it's not just another Willow adventure. It is Willow 2. It is still the yeah, arc of Alora Dana, and it's still everything that, you know, they even say the blood of Bav Morda, her spirit never went away. All of that stuff still lingers. When you think about them, it starts to track more and more because it's like, yeah, Sorsha wasn't just, you know, the, the Princess Leia of that movie. She was an evil princess yeah. when the movie started. And she turned good and had to defeat her mother. That's a heavy toll. These kingdoms that she is now trying to unite, which we'll talk about when we get into the Kit storyline, as well as her brother, Eric. Mm-hmm. and Willow, his whole story of, am I good enough of inadequacy, of not being sure, of being reduced, of being looked down on. That mm-hmm. 88 movie, he's called Peck like 30 times. People are yeah. constantly using derogatory language against him. Like He's got a little bit of chip on his shoulder, and by the time we start to realize what's actually going on, we realize that they're both acting out of fear. You know, he had a yeah. dream where he tells you know, that we find out it's doled out to the viewer over a few scenes that bad is coming. You know, it's, it's a very like classic hero has a vision of magic. Mm-hmm. Darkness is coming. And so he has something to propel him forward. What we find out later, of course, is that it would come with some sort of sacrifice and there's the prophecies played with a lot in this world. Some of them are true, but they're not true the way you thought they'd be, which is very classic myth. Um, But to take them both to places of fear and overprotectiveness, like you said, to the point where there's even a barrier keeping the youth, keeping the generation in the realm where they have no idea what's going on out there. Similar to Ned Stark and that other show that we cover, like, did you actually prepare them? Yeah, or or did your fear and your experiences stifle growth?
1: Yeah, I never thought uh, I'd see the similarities between Willow and M. Night Shyamalan's *The Village*, where don't go, <laughs> don't go out there, <laughs> don't go past yes. the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's all 1870 here, wherever it took place in that time period. Uh, yeah, no, I I love that. I thought it was I thought it was interesting. And uh, um, and again, I, when you're going to start these stories up and bring them back. Uh, especially when they all end happy. Uh, I'm always interested in in how you do that. And I think it was a victory for the show. I'm exploring because I'm curious because I don't know. I want to know. I'm not just sitting here going, well, that's weird. They made Sorsha a jerk. No, there's going to be reasons we're going to find out there. Uh, and same with Willow.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have here, like, it's not just Willow versus Sorsha. It's what Willow knows, what Sorsha knows, and yeah. what they're projecting and yeah, what, they what they are projecting. Yeah. yeah. yeah what, what, what they feel in the situations because – sorcia might think you know in this flashback falling out that we see that she might think nothing of the comment of like willow but you're not a great sorcerer because that's only a few years out from the movie and like yeah. she she loves him and she's happy to see him but she also is saying the real greats they're gone this is a post mm. you know great era this is the post golden age in, in a certain way where they mm-hmm. fought to defeat evil but Shalindria, the great fairy gone you know razzle the sorceress is gone and for willow to hear that i think the way i interpreted that is he's projecting the events of the first film into that conversation and saying but but we want like why are you doubting i thought we were friends and there is no mad martigan there to speak for him or believe in him and it's sort of like sorcia and mad martigan had a relationship but it's like if you sometimes you remove the friend that mm-hmm. made mm-hmm. Friends with the other person yeah and it's like yeah. oh are we do we have a, a bond ourselves and yeah. how they disagree and you know mm-hmm. that first comes down to the essential question of do you love this child is what starts willow's journey do you yeah. feel love for this child and to see willow angrily yelling I'll never come back here after this disrespect. That child's just as much mine as she is yours. All of mm-hmm. that really—it was shocking because I didn't think Willow had that in him to be yeah. sort of wrathful and bitter. But I also, you know, putting it in the perspective of that's him then. It's like when we we yeah. experience old Luke Skywalker, but when we go back to Book of Boba Fett, Luke Skywalker, we have to push out the sequels and say that's him then. Yeah, and it was really Absolutely. interesting to do that.
1: No, it was a great starting point for these characters, uh, and, and I, I, for one, you know, going into the series when it was first announced, not going into the series when when finding out Joanne uh, Weyler was going to be involved, like yeah, that that could have been surface level, right? She just sh- shows up, waves, hands off a sword, and you're done. And just green, uh, yeah. yeah, to have her here for some uh, some meaty scenes, I I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and so we'll talk a lot more about how they interact. Thematically character based, you know, in terms of terms of comedy, in terms of a lot of the different things, a lot of there's a lot of world building and it's something that I took away from the first one, is I forgot how dense that two hour movie is, there are, Mm -hmm. I think I bullet pointed them for a friend yesterday, I think there are 12 subplots in that first Willow, and Mm -hmm. it's a miracle. That it's coherent when you like there's two prophecies, there's a royal beef, there's a rebellion, there's a magical rivalry, there's just all this stuff going on, these different creatures and races, right. and it's it's surprising like that yeah. George didn't try to make that a trilogy like he did Star Wars and in Indy. Um, right. later a quadrilogy with indie, but it's almost like this show also does that. There's a lot of different drops. You get the Chimerian Curis quest that Matt Martigan mm-hmm. went on. Yeah, there's yeah. the Cal- Calidorn and Tirasleen are now going to be unified. It throws a lot your way. What is the barrier? What is the barrier encompass? Oh, it's the realm. Okay. Oh, you're the kind of the Kingsguard guy of this, but you're also important. There's a lot of yeah. things that I feel could have gotten a little bit out of control, but I thought that it was reined in. And, you know, we'll talk about these characters, but I felt like it did a good job. And I'm curious as to your opinion on this of making it character first. And I it earned trust in me really quick where it threw a lot of terms out. But I I was yeah. I was liking these people enough to say, well, I don't really know what that is. But I am I know I know, you know what it is as a character.
1: Yeah, it's uh, here, here's how it w- works. Uh, it's been about a year plus since I sat and watched Willow. And prior to that, probably about 25 years. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not uh, versed in all the realms like I am. Seven Kingdoms and Essos and beyond or. Star Wars. And, and it doesn't hold me up because it's just kind of you sit back and kind of go, uh, you know, it's, it, it's it's world. But like I said, and, and even the names of the characters, I'll figure it out when it matters right now. What matters is my heart, the themes and and the story moving along. And I know who I know. And I, I thought it was I thought it built it out wonderfully in that regard. But it ne- it never hung me up uh never hung me up it's it's always gonna be characters first and i think i, I think that's how you win here and I, I thought it i thought it did a great job even though yeah you know, i've got the cast list up right now because i just want to make sure like i'm getting all the names right because there's a lot yeah there's yeah. a lot
0: yeah oh yeah it was the oh, same yeah. thing with rings of power and it'll be the same thing here and, and with house of the dragon frankly with all those mm-hmm. uh you know valyrian names but running them down okay. here you know our key new characters and, and a couple side ones we've got kit tantalos one of the children of Mm Sorsha and Matt Mardigan. We have Jade played by Aaron Kellerman of solo fame. She's Mm -hmm. an up and coming knight. We have Borman who starts off and we think he's a criminal. And then we find out, well, he is, but he also used to be more and has some connections Mm -hmm. to Matt Mardigan, Val Kilmer there. We have the character of dove who we will get into as that is one of three names that she has in the show. Uh, We have Prince Graydon, and then we have some other faces, such as the Gales, which are these, you know, these four sort of horsemen of the apocalypse for this creature called the Crone we've yet to meet. One of them played by Chewbacca himself, Yonah Swatomo. Uh, We have Silas, who's sort of the other Nelwyn that goes with Willow. He's sort of Willow's, he looks like a trusty friend. He pretends to be Willow. He's kind of like Willow's security. Uh, Yeah. Really enjoyed him. Nims, who was Willow's daughter in the first film in a minor role, is here now. In a much bigger role um like you said they play by Annabelle davis so lots of stuff going on here i'm going to give you my read on some of these themes and then you tell me where you want to go That's in terms of kit i mm-hmm. see things like freedom and identity with jade duty dedication and as ballantyne says knighthood is defined by your oaths not your weapons and not your deeds with borman there's definitely something with redemption and purpose and this Unspoken, you owe Mad martigan something. And we that's a mystery that is intentionally left there. So definitely some sort of debt to be paid. He's he's brushing off a darker past with comedy, with mm-hmm. Dove, who we find out's been going by the name Brunhilde her entire life, but mm-hmm. is really a Laura Dan and the baby from the first film. She's the one. She's even called the one. She's the chosen child, destiny, choice. Yeah the idea of covering up one's identity and, and thinking and taking away their choices. Even as a little girl, we get that note that someone's been dying her hair so that she's yeah. not recognizable. And Willow says, well, when you were a baby, you had red hair. So there's all this, it's light and it's fun and it's comedic, but they took all of her agency away from her in the spirit of protecting the world. And then with Prince Graydon, who probably has so far the least to do Mm -hmm. We get some funny lines of like, well, there was another prince. He fell out of a tree and now he's the prince and this guy's dealing with expectations. You get the idea that his father's kind of disappointed in him. He seems like he's way more interested in books than he is ruling or, or women or any of that stuff. And I think all of those ideas are just like, boom, 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 boom. Here's, everything that jonathan kasdan could think of that young people deal with and he gave and he he divvied it up between characters so who latched yeah. out to you as a, as a, who stuck out to you as a standout that you yeah. latched on to uh yeah. for those ideas
1: i love the way you, you, you phrase that as if john was like what are the, what do kids do what do kids do these days? Uh, here, I, let, let's talk about the Utes. Now, you uh, well, uh, well done summary of, of the big points there. Uh, I really, you know, I, I am uh, naturally going to be drawn to Aaron Kellyman is a big fan of Emphasis Nest, and you know, I'm doing, I'm doing some scouting here to make sure I, Aaron's good to go for Emphasis. Right, we got our Emphasis Nest series that we all want here, and and I really love uh, the city because 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 she brought a lot of. Um, kind of warmth uh she's she, to this kind of traditional kind of trope of uh you know you could even look at it as simple as simple uh as, as I don't think the show does but as simple as a woman in a man's world I'm gonna be night they, they make an exception for me this is what I want to do and there's great dedication I'm subject to the queen she says at one point but there's there's great warmth in it there's a great love and and I think more than she's more mature than anyone else there right now uh mm-hmm. but we'll see when that's challenged I'm curious to see when that that personal connection uh to to kit is is challenged in a way that we have never seen yet uh, uh what she's going to do and, and 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 understanding you know almost like a writer has to live both sides of the page you have this you know did you know uh, you have this dedication thing going on you have this honor this title this knighthood you kind of want but what does it really mean and who are you really fighting for uh we'll see how that changes i was naturally drawn to that one there Uh, everyone else uh, is solid as well i did see it and tony revelory maybe um won me over a little bit by the end of the second episode when he finally got to see what he's doing because you're right he's i would say just simply comic foil up until that point but that that scene around um dove we'll say Mm -hmm. um where he's being not only very nice i think there's some implied attraction there as well too but just like he's very understanding he's very empathetic uh, and has not had that himself the the, the bookworm thing is also kind of a, a, a trope as well but it's played really well here where not only will he find uh, his courage or strength to go do these tough things on the road now nah, he's probably gonna find out uh himself no he knows himself he'll learn to know himself and he'll find the confidence to be himself i thought it was a really that was a sweet moment too later on we well, up until then he had some funny lines but he just he is just kind of designed to be a, uh, the prince uh, you know and, and i thought that was a good development
0: yeah i agree i think his starting point is uh one of my f- favorite funny beats that he has is uh i forget the exact wording but his father's like you would let your wife to be go on yeah. this journey by herself kind of questioning his manhood because medieval yeah. setting and there is a little bit of that patriarchalness thrown in with the, with the knighthood i think it's called the shining legion that yeah. uh that uh, you know uh, jade will be training with so you get the idea like this is a this is a, a fun fantasy world. It's no Westeros, but it does still have its problematic people. And and his father um, is sort of like you would let her go, and he's like, I mean, I would learn to live with it. Like he's he's not an adventuring prince. Doesn't look like he's you know yeah. ever held a sword, let alone swung one. And and it's yeah. it's an interesting sort of way to to assemble a classic party, you know, a fantasy yeah. party. Um, I think Kit even has a line where she's like, yeah, I think that's it for the fellowship. Like even like a little Lord of the Rings <laughs> yeah. nod, like, yeah, we're, we're good. We don't, we don't need more people. Um, but yeah, I, I, love, I love what you said about Jade and about, um, about, uh, Grayman great yeah. about Graydon. Graydon sort of taking, cause it is, it is play with tropes, right? Willow yeah. does play with tropes in and of himself and his yeah. entire world. Um, it was hard for us to watch that first film and not just see Luke and Han again. Uh, I think I tweeted this, like you've got farmhand turned wizard and rogue turned mm-hmm. general. And that's one of yep. George's favorite friendship pairings. And yep. they and the way that Mad Mardigan, Mad Mardigan even says to Willow, um, this is war, Willow, not agriculture, which is basically dusting crops back home. Kid. <laughs> like it's that exact <laughs> same thing. Um, but seeing these tropes yeah. change different ways, starting with Jade, I love what you brought up about how it could have been something that we'd seen before and it was in certain ways i have this duty i'm trying to sure. be more um yeah. we we've, we've in fact seen her struggle before with someone like Brienne of Tarth over in our game of thrones fandom yeah. of yeah. can i be the exception but this being a more welcoming world they have made it for her she didn't yeah. have to go fight zombies to get it um i loved how that started to play with a the theme that you, Joseph, and Jennifer have actually been touching on a lot on Force Center with Andor, which is the duty and the cause versus the personal. And that's where her mm-hmm. and they are clashing, where we get here and we're not sure if this is will they, won't they. We're not sure mm-hmm. if this is we are dating. We're not sure if this is we want to date, but we can't. It's ambiguous as to where the relationship is, but it is one. They kiss on screen. Yeah. It's, you know, it is Lucasfilm's first definitive, no questions asked. Because even with Vel and Sinta and Andor, mm-hmm. it's more ambiguous than some people would like. And I, I would un- completely understand and agree. Yeah. This is not ambiguous at all. They're a romantic couple. But Kit is clashing with her because she feels like, wow, you would, you would leave me when I need you emotionally. Whereas, mm-hmm. as Valentine points out, from Jade's point of view, it's, well, if she really cared about you, she'd understand that you're pursuing your goals. And mm-hmm. I feel like that, fantasy or not, is so understandable. It's so relatable mm-hmm. either in romantic relationships or just in relationships in general, of yeah, how both people can approach things from a perspective of, but you love me. How could you yeah. not get this because you love me? And and I look at both of these women in the show and I'm like, You're both right. I
1: understand you both. Yeah. It's I, I love it. Yeah, and, and it'd be interesting to see to get a little bit even more from this this world on what the world views their relationship, right? Because it's 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 I think. Until the kiss, uh, which is 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 this great thing, of course. But in, until then, I was like, is 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 it ambiguous because it needs to be in this world? And she's got this pre arranged, you know, marriage. She's, she's betrothed to to the old uh, book bur- bookworm over there, and and I was curious how they'd play it. But I think when you talked about like Valentine's speech and everything, I'd love to see it dealt with in a different way where no, it, it, it is accepted and it is treated as normal in this world as it, as it should. And, and, and we're going to see how it actually truly affects them where it's not this, this secret. It's something they actually have to deal with in this relationship. Cause I do think, especially for show design to speak to, um, a younger audience, they, they need to see that. They need to learn that hard truth in relationships, the compromise, the, the duty versus the the personal uh what's the hard truth? what you're really fighting for and, and who's being selfish and who's me not it's complicated it is it it got wonderfully complicated for me
0: to Watch. yeah and, and, it, and it doesn't condemn either of them which i really liked i think that sometimes right. for the sake of drama we'll write characters in ways that one of them does something like wholly unreasonable and it's like well that's just to get us to the next mm-hmm. argument or the mm-hmm. next moment mm-hmm. of reconciliation but when kit wants to run away you understand her when jade is hesitant about telling her about her new assignment you understand her too um Mm -hmm. it it, all the viewpoints i think are really well fleshed out in terms of this group and even when you're left in the dark intentionally for certain things and you know Mm -hmm. there are nitty-gritty writing things where a couple times i think like it was like okay this person's not saying it just because we need the moment later like yeah. there's there's a you know interesting beat for example when uh kit expresses her theory about her father and she says i think my father left with alora Dannon and took her far away and stayed with her and you've got borman sitting there who knows the truth about her father but doesn't yeah. say it until the scene he needs to say it there's a little bit of that um yeah. where it's like yeah. you know that's tv like sometimes sometimes i'll forgive a little bit of a unnatural (laughs) response. Maybe he warmed up to her between scenes um, and and decided to tell her when he told her, but Mm -hmm. their viewpoints. So I think are fleshed out and you're right. I think that Jade brings a level of maturity to the group. She was a standout. I think Aaron Mm -hmm. Kellyman, Aaron Kellyman has a similar thing that I've described with Matt Smith, even pre house of the dragon with his doctor who days where she feels like she's got a lot of years behind her eyes. She feels Mm -hmm. like she wisdom beyond her years and the way that jade takes things seriously both as a girlfriend Mm -hmm. slash ambiguous lover whatever their status is Mm -hmm. and as an aspiring knight and as a friend and as a member of this group um the way that she believes in the word of others that's something that's so big in this show too Mm -hmm. is trust and the ability to trust and how willow um Is you know, he he takes charge as he should. They were sent to find him and he knew they were coming and he's got all this knowledge. But the group not trusting his word about Alora Dan and and about what's going on, but Jade does, and Mm -hmm. Jade is sort of our stalwart, sort of Jedi-esque figure that's like, No, I'm going to look for her, you know, in that second episode, because Willow said that we need to find her, like, she's very driven by the cause, whereas Kit is very driven by the personal. And can they synthesize those two things? Because it's yeah. not like Kit has a goal, which is what I was interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move into her. I guess as one of yeah. our leads, Kit and her and her twin brother Eric, who was for uh, fans of the original film, Eric is the name of Mad Martigan's soldier friend who perishes mm-hmm. uh, in the last battle. So, nice little nod there that he was named for his father's friend. They are these young, sort of spoiled royals. They're not. They're not mean, but you yeah, just get yeah. the idea that they're kind of aimless and mm-hmm. kit wants to run away it's not like she has a plan she just wants to run away from expectation which i think is a big thing with both yeah. her and with Graydon. so how did you feel about the theme of the youth having to deal with what is expected of them and even kit down to saying wow so you know you're even picking what i wear
1: <laughs> i thought it was uh you know these are you know these are mad martigan's kids right by the way dempsey burke is is prince eric i mean the I, I for a second thought is is this is this Val Kilmer's son? Like he had yeah. great casting under there and Ruby Cruz as well. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought could you touch on it? Like they could very easily be real spoiled shits, quite quite frankly, uh, which wouldn't seem uh, right for Sorcha as 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 a parent. So I thought it was played very nice, and I, I like their their chemistry uh, as tropey as as the the prince who uh, yeah know, gets around and doesn't see the full weight of uh his title and his responsibility yeah i i get that there um but no I, I i'd like i'd like a little bit more uh defined goals for Kip. but i think again that's part of the journey right like we don't quite know maybe she's working through it too i i see a little you know impetuous and and, and base level jealousy and also focused on saving her brother as she should be um uh, so i'm waiting to see that kind of develop but i thought that the, both castings were, were great and and uh you know that's that's a lot of weight you can't have mad Morgan around you gotta have his kids and i thought uh there, there's some chemistry emerging with these two
0: yeah and i think that they handled the 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 weight of legacy in a big way in a in a really strong way with the two of them and with nims with willow's daughter you know seeing them these people yeah, interact true. with their parents like willow's daughter being way more well-adjusted than mad martigan yeah. and Sorcia's kids definitely tracks um yeah. i thought that her scene was really lovely and seeing these people um dealing with the absent of a absent parent or deal with a parent that is maybe making the wrong choices um from yeah. their perspective uh, is really interesting and neither side is condemned it's not like the old people are wrong let's go out on our own and prove yeah. them wrong And, but conversely, it's not the young people are stupid. It gets to the point where, you know, Sorsha does give the blessing. She says, I agree with you. You do need to go get your brother. And I think Mm -hmm. that that was a nice um, way to sort of embrace some of the thematic energy of Mm -hmm. there's, there's a middle here that we're not finding. There's a communication that's missing um, a, a lot of the parties. And I think that it's, it's natural because again, some of this is not one of your storytelling. It's natural for Sorsha to say, I agree with you to her daughter, because Sorsha we know later is also reflecting on, I should have listened when I had the chance and maybe we wouldn't be
1: here. Mm. Mm, yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of things to me, the, the, the parenting, or at least if it's not, you know, directly, I can't relate to the parenting thing, but the mentors, of the older generation, um, finding the best way forward, knowing but that, knowing that they may, maybe they themselves didn't take the best way forward. So I like that.
0: Yeah, and a lot of them also dealing with this theme of isolation, which I thought was really interesting. We know that, as we've yeah, said, it's arranged marriage. Since the events of the first film, at some point in Elora Dannon's childhood infancy, they put up this barrier. And the barrier was crafted through powerful magic of people that are no longer around. And it it's ambiguous as to what it covers, but mm-hmm. they say the words the realm and we know that they want to unite this realm. So we can assume there's at least two kingdoms in there. If you're yeah, playing yeah. along and trying to get your lore, right. But the idea that not only did they do that, but once we got to Willow's village and it looked like it was destroyed, but then mm-hmm. you find out that it's because he moved them underground. That's right. when I thought, oh so it it happened for everyone like all of the different no matter if you're a a big person or a nelwin a Mm daikini as they call them you everybody reacted to the events of those first film or to their dreams and prophecies uh with paranoia and they decided Mm -hmm. not to face their problems head on um, which affects affects everybody. It affects the youth. It affects the culture. It affects the world. And I think that, you know, as Lucasfilm is known to do commenting on, on our world right now, burying your head in this, in the ground in the sand, literally in the ground, if you're Willow uh, is not the way. And I think that's why I yeah. th- I love the scene where his daughter, if we're talking about the parents and children, where his daughter challenges him, that isolationist versus,
1: mm-hmm.
0: isolationist versus globalist, you know, it's not that one-to-one with our world, but it's like, mm-hmm. You no, know, Dad. Like you, you used to be more and when she says you've always been my hero. You know, Warwick does a great joke there. Like I would have gone on a quest earlier. <laughs> you know, if I knew <laughs> I don't know that you would say that. But uh yeah, I thought that that was really powerful
1: stuff. Um, yeah, and is it a lot it, of our fantasy right now? It's what you need. And 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 here's the thing about what, even Willow going back to the original movie. Like I remember watching it a little bit later on, or even just kind of remembering, it, and it's like. I, George is definitely doing some Lord of the Rings stuff in his story. You know, it's definitely that. But I don't. I, I, I say that in a good way where I think you need Willow needs to deal, this world of Willow needs to deal with the same thing. This this evil is allowed to return when you don't deal with it. That doesn't go away. And I like that Star Wars deals with it. I like that Tolkien was looking at that as he continued to maybe look at the adventures of uh, King Elisar and everything that came after. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I, I, I think he stopped short of it. And so, therefore, it seems like he didn't go that route, but I bet if he had still pursued it, that would have had to happen where the evil people might be gone, but the idea or the concept of evil and the ability to do evil is still exists, and it's going to return if you don't kind of uh, deal with it. It's, just, uh, it's the cyclical nature of, of it all there, and, and to see it so clear in dis- display here, particularly when this entire culture going underground right um and hiding and then i kept thinking of like the the, you know the dogs i'm like well i'd go underground too if those dogs just run into your village and destroy (laughs) things um yeah another right way to deal with it so to have that that's a pretty big theme to hang over all of the show uh to your point that's like you know again we're right after the events of of um we don't we don't have this in a lot of other properties we don't we don't we got comics and books and stories now but you know, we don't see Endor a month later or The Republic a month later after that. We're starting to see that now, but we didn't grow up with that. So I love when it's analyzed and Willow being like, all right, the flashback is even closer to the movie than you'd think. Um, and this is the choices we made as as a realm. It's And it's a dangerous one, potentially.
0: Yeah, and you we talked about it with Star Wars, but even with Indiana Jones, you know, we're recording these, obviously. Uh, there is no Indiana Jones 5 yet, but what they've said about that film, it's like, yeah, it's India in 1969 when the space program sent, you know, Man to the Moon. But you know who was in the space program? Nazis that we ignored and that we <laughs> let off on things. So this yeah. is a theme right now. You're ignoring evil. And, and in those flashbacks, Willow mm. says, and again, we don't know how much of his dream he shares with Sorso, which is, you know, the film yeah, is, yeah. The, the series is dropping its knowledge in ways that are serialized television ways. We'll Mm -hmm. find things out like episode one with Borman, who I really enjoyed. And we'll talk about Borman. She says, oh, no, he'll he'll accomplish this quest. And not for a royal pardon and not for me, but for a debt to a friend. And I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what's that about? And then you find out that he was Mad Martigan's squire. So, yeah, all of these choices that happened, everything that she did, Um, Sorsha feels like she doomed Mad Mardigan but she also ignored Willow saying it's time to train Elora Dannon now evil's Mm -hmm. not done and you know in Star Wars like you've said we've gotten that stuff filled in and we found out about some of the demilitarization and the ignoring of the slow Mm -hmm. creep of fascism here it's not like it's not as direct because it's not like it's a regime it's it's just dark powers but it's it's the same thing thematically the idea that we thought that we could just do things the same way. And Willow returns to his village at the end of the first film. But then there's an ambiguous amount of loss that I thought was beautifully played. He used to have a, you know, a wife, daughter, and son. Now Mm -hmm. he's only got a daughter. They don't seem to be around. He stops by their old hut as Mm -hmm. they're leaving and has those flashbacks to where they found baby Alora, and really beautifully played moment there by Warwick. And you get the idea that he's having to, reckon with the fact that like he wanted to be a great sorcerer when he was young but now 20 years later he actually has to be one you know yeah. he's he does he's no longer the kid you become mm-hmm. your heroes you know and he's he's yeah. no longer the kid that found the fairy that gives the wand now he's the guy that has the wand and he's the
1: one being found it's fantastic it, it, it's you're almost discussing adulthood <laughs> right you're almost mm-hmm. discussing that the jokey term adulting uh where he 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 might've, you know, he kind of wins the day and, and, and gets what he wants. And he's going to be a sorcerer, going to be a wizard and, and you got to find out then you actually have to be it. And that's scary as well. So, so this series being, again, this is, this, this series, uh, knowing it's, it's I, when I say made for a younger audience, I, I don't even know if that's correct. I, it's just doing what willing to do, but, but, but this is maybe going to pull in some younger folks. Um, but for someone like me, who's watching it, like, you know, all right, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to be a star. And then you got to go do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then then, then then you to make your dreams go trigger to work out. Or then the worst, you actually get your dreams. You actually win the day. Uh, Sorcia actually defeats her mother, actually, a sense of And then there's a whole bunch more problems. This show is about uh, the adults in it just as much as the kids. And it was fascinating to watch it. I thought some of that was some of the. Uh, and then you don't know the whole story yet. You don't know all the pain uh, Willow's fa- uh, f- facing and, and, and feeling. We're going to maybe get that story. Um, but right now all you need to know is loss and that it's all too real. It's all too real. And that's something you got to deal with.
0: Yeah. And I think that being able to do sort of some of the non-linear storytelling that they've embraced here, uh, was pretty smart mm-hmm. because I, I've I've watched each episode twice. And on that rewatch, when you see certain choices or certain of scenes and, and the way that she treats her children, uh, or in the way that she, you know, when she tells Kit, you know, part of that is of the parenting aspect of the show is putting the pressure mm. upon the next generation, having to confront unfortunate and scary truths. She says, you know, the blood of Bav Morda exists in me. Therefore it exists in you and your brother. It never went away. Willow had this dream. Now I've had it too, whether or not that includes that Elora Dan must die. We will talk about her in a second um, is ambiguous uh, because it's mm. when he tells that to Silas, it seems like it's the first time he's articulated it. We'll see as the show goes. Um, yeah. yeah. The first time he's ever admitted that because that was not even whole, part of the, the whole first
1: dream, dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah the whole dream because we get a flash of it the whole dream is she's dead another cool note there when she's it's not cool she's dead but when she's dead in Willow's vision her hair is dark again so yeah, it's yeah. sort of that symbolism of in this climactic battle she will be what she was always supposed to be Um, yeah. and and hair and color is such a big thing and in, in mm-hmm. like literary analysis and stuff and and Star Wars there's a lot of that too like obi-wan you know passing down the mullet to anakin and things like that um (laughs) but you know talking about kit we talked about (laughs) jade um let's talk about elora dannon slash dove slash brunhilden which is an interesting thing where i hate to be the i called it i called it guy but halfway through the first one i thought to myself something about that throwaway line about the brother not really knowing her name is interesting and then when she crossed through that threshold i thought is she the baby? And then, you know, sure as hell, Willow reveals her tattoo.
1: I was going to ask you this. Okay, so I, I hadn't been paying so, uh, you know, tremendously close attention to the marketing other than saw the trailer. I I had the sense, I was like, tuning in episode one going, I okay, so I know Laura Dan is missing, but I think it's a secret, right? Like, I knew that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but clearly it's Kit. <laughs> I don't know why. So when the real oh, happened, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. I probably should finish my coffee before I watch this episode. So,
0: <laughs> no, it's, it, I think it's. I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's just enough that you can have fun being like, it is her, yeah. it is her. But also, especially for that younger audience, I think it'll probably be like, whoa, like mom, dad, I, she's the wizard, she's <laughs> the, you know, um, yeah. it, it has that.
1: It, it will work because, because again, like even early on, they, you know, I think Eric calls Kit, you know, your Twitter, or she says whatever, and I was like. Well, they were raised to believe that. And 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 I, I feel like in 2005 when um, there was some people who were like, Palpatine is the emperor? <laughs> like, Yeah. I, just felt, I felt slightly dumb, but also it worked on me. I actually really loved that moment because it worked on me. I uh, just kind of catching the story casually, drinking my coffee and was like, oh, there we go. And, and it made me want to go back and retake some of the, the scenes and lines that she said. So I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought it was a great reveal. I thought it was a great uh, punchy, like modern in a good way, sort of ending to that first Mm. one. Like she just Mm. goes, what? And then it ends on a pop song like boom, and then we move into the next one. Her character, I think, was interesting because she has all these themes of destiny imbued into her art. She has, you know. The, the classic you know they might as well be doing star wars scenes at some point you could tell it's a george lucas property magic is the you know is the lifeblood of the universe or the bloodstream of the universe um all the stuff about it being it.
1: yeah yeah sorry literally as, as if as if as if yoda's talking to luke right 100
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's in you it's about belief he even tries to give her the answer to the finger riddle that he had yeah. to go through the first one he's like it's your finger, it's your finger, but she's not picking up on what that even means. I think it was a big swing. And I don't say Mm -hmm. this as an insult to the character at all, or Mm -hmm. to Ellie Bamber, who I think is doing exactly what she needs to do, but to make her, how do I word this? Like kind of goofy, kind of simple, kind of like not not at all a comment, like on her like uh, uh, faculties or capacity, but just she's like, oh yeah, my baking's phenomenal. I make good soup. I'm in love. I want to go get my boyfriend. Like she has all of these very, like not what you expect of the mythic chosen one. And I think that was, I could see that being something that is maybe too modern for some people and we could talk about it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's an interesting way because she needs to clash and mesh with Willow in a certain way in the same way that he did with mad martigan and razelle in the first film whereas willow wanted this she mm-hmm. was predestined for it and doesn't understand it so then where do you go with that especially with willow mm-hmm. who's also doubting himself he willow's not at peace like yoda is by empire yeah. you know so he, it's, it's a different dynamic where he's like he doesn't have the patience to teach and she doesn't have the patience to learn which is a different way to do that
1: yeah, no, I, I, I that, that's where the show really started working for me. Dolman's script in the second episode, I thought was really strong. And in, in this way, where like Warwick was allowed to kind of be Warwick while being Willow and bringing some of the humor that was present in Willow as well. I, I think he's really funny and, and rye and and sardonic and all stuff. So that started to work and and her struggling. Her struggle was very real. The struggle was was filled with some comedy and everyone kind of reacting to it. it, it, it but I didn't need it. I didn't need it to be anything more than that it's doing what it needs to do and telling the story, but it's also interesting to take on it of, you know, my, and, and watching the reveal was great. Again, it really, truthfully did, did trick me. Uh, but then to see in the second episode of just like, this character should be angry and maybe she, I think she's got a little bit of it going on, but I, I want to see that play out of, of not only did you lie to me, you kept me around as a servant girl, which by the way, if that's your station life, that's be, be the best one you can be like, uh, I almost wanted someone to say to her when she was like, "I just want to cook." Like, you could just do that if you want to. Um, but it, you know what I mean. But you know what I mean. All the words, it's like, like that's that's a bit of a mind tweak, and, and that's what I think weighs on on, on Willow and and Sorsha. Now that it's out, it wasn't just about protection, and we talk about the theme of of uh, fear over protection and, and the thin line between the two. But um, I thought that, I thought that was one of the more interesting things for me. Of of uh, it wasn't just a fun oh the servant girl, the princess. It's like, and you had to watch all these high-class people you're low board, you yeah. know in your mind yeah, and- yeah they,
0: they out of protection you end up taking away someone's agency and choice and that's so much a part of what everybody's yeah. going through and everybody in their own way that's what sort of binds the the six together and binds all mm-hmm. especially the young people together is none of us feel like we have complete control like jade just finally got this exception but she still has to go do it while dealing with kit kit is dealing with the fact that she's expected to be this thing that she's just to be a wife and just to be a queen and to be a tool to unite kingdoms she's being used functionally um, which borman even calls source out for he's like at least you got to choose mad martigan um you know that that type of stuff sort of comes to the forefront um but especially with her and i think that you know i we're not in the prediction game here but that last beat of episode two you know the it's a classic you know irony thing i drew a little bit of dramatic irony when she finally does unlock the spell it's in a moment of of anger and it's in a moment of, of frustration and i think that some of that is bubbling to the surface and you could tell she does take pride in what she can do. She's got the best muffins yeah. in the kingdom. and yeah. She says she's a phenomenal cook and she's really proud to have this relationship uh, with Prince Eric and wants to go find him and stuff and wants to be useful. And she says, I can tend to the horses. I can cook. I can mm-hmm. help you guys. And, but, but yeah, you're right. Like I am interested to see sort of when the themes uh, come to the forefront for identity, mm-hmm. uh, how she'll struggle with being, Brunhilda slash dove as eric calls her or or being Alora, it's yeah. it's sad to know that it's sort of happened that way again very star wars uh, it, you know knowing that this is all you know we see it again based on characters created by george lucas at the end like you know we haven't mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see that again with indy but it always comes back to those ideas that he's trying to unpack about generations and much like how obi-wan yoda and bale did the best they could. We know that Willow and Sorsha did the best they could, but sometimes that's not best for the person. And mm, Willow no. tried to undo it, and he, yeah. but he also knows that by undoing it, he could be dooming her to a, a big epic death. And so it's a, uh, it's sometimes it's those rock and a hard place choices.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and to move it a little bit into like the, the use of prophecy is always interesting in these fantasy things, and and it's always about, you know, it's never quite the truth. It could be choices, uh, you know, uh, choice is still there. It's about how you react to it. And I think it's, I, I love when it comes up star Wars, uh, game of Thrones, any world, uh, Harry Potter, right. whatever. Um, and I love looking at the series. And, and, and again, there were some timeline questions I had, which was more about me than the show and how soon they did this, did they immediately put her into hiding and everything and how much we had to do with the, this, this vision or, and, and prophecy. And this goes into that mentor slash parent thing where, where, you have this fear, and the fear is natural. You want to keep them safe. You want to make sure she's up to the challenge to be this, and, and then she doesn't get destroyed. We'll put this barrier up, and we'll try to keep evil out. Um, um, but, you know, you think of the uh, Cat Stevens. Uh, baby, it's a wild world, <laughs> and, and you're mm-hmm. going to get out there. And, and, and to think about, for parents, sometimes it's, an un, it's it's an attachment that is based in their fears, right? Of course, you don't want anything to happen to to Laura, Dan. And there's also a lot riding on the realm for that. There's a lot lot of that going on, a lot of high stakes. Of course, you don't want anything bad to happen to her, but it's not about her and her experiences and her possible. And it's about you have a fear of how you're going to react to that. So it Mm -hmm. becomes this negative attachment that becomes destructive. And then you make decisions like this, including wrapping the realm up in a nice little cellophane bubble and taking away her agency. And then if it it truly is that the prophecy was there, you know, first again, I I think it was, I'm missing some of the timeline notes there, but, but then, then this vision of her dying. No, of course, no one wants that, but you don't know that. And then you're so afraid that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna cause more damage. You're causing this damage to her. And I think that that's a deep parental theme, mentor theme. You know, you I gotta let you launch uh, you get the Willow podcast on your own. You might die all of them, but I gotta let you know. I gotta let you do it. Well, let me let fly. It.
0: Yeah, it's a huge it's a huge thing. I mean, it's like it, it hangs over that first film too, Sorsha. Yeah, betrayal of her mother was prophesized. it's the yes. it's the secondary prophecy of that first film it's the Elora dan and stuff but then also her seers and her soothsayers are like by the way we think your daughter might betray you and she's like ah, that'll never happen and then it does but a lot of these things you know sometimes as george r r martin will tell you prophecies there to just make you think and yeah. to be broken and to be you know messed with and and to subvert yeah. and so there's all these different interpretations of it, and I and again, it's we are still in the dark as to who knows what and when. because um, mm-hmm. it stands in the first film, it's Alora Dannon will be all these great things, queen, sorceress, yeah. all these things, and will destroy evil. Great now, it's yeah. yeah, it's just it's solid, Ooh. awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. And we're fighting for the future, we're fighting yeah. for Alora Dannon in her 20s you know in her her 20s 30s and beyond now we're there and at first it's this this vision of you know allura Dana will be the one she needs to be trained then with the extra punch of but she will die it's this added element of but but we were supposed to take care of her is that out of our hands now what do we even control and i think that that plays a lot into the paranoia uh into enter the decision making of both willow and Sorsha as the two main parent figures I and mean, Sorsha even says like the way that they write around matt martigan not being able to be in the show is that he went to go find this mm-hmm. uh a chimerian curus or as kit calls it a magical breastplate um yeah. to, to to go do x you know some magical artifact um and you get a little bit of a tease where borman's like yeah he found it Um, And we still don't get the whole story Uh, that episode two ends when she asks him what happened. Um, But it's an interesting thing to think about. Everybody is sort of just like clawing and desperately searching for the way that they don't have to face um, the worst possible scenario. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody feels like they're backed into a corner, which I think is superhuman um, Mm -hmm. not superhuman, superhuman. Uh, And it's, it's the whole idea of, of trying to work with what you have which i think willow has always been great at i mean one thing i love about uh their disagreement one of before i had watched episode two when i just watched one i thought it yeah. was great that sorsha said we disagreed about what to do i wanted to yeah. hide her and i wanted magic to diminish whereas yeah. willow wanted magic to continue wanted her to be trained but when you find out oh she was hidden but it was in plain sight which is such a willow thing because he his whole thing in the first film is sleight of hand like it is right in front of you it's the disappearing pig trick which she then throws in his face um so willow is a character that's always been able to work with what he has but now he feels like it might not even be his calls to make and i think Mm -hmm. that that frightens him um and you know it's weird to see sort of like willow the Last Jedi, but it kind of does feel that way, uh, in certain ways. I, I retreated because I, I felt like I had made the wrong calls.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it makes you do things. I mean, even the relationship between, between Sorsha and and uh, and Willow. Like I said earlier, like Sorsha's kind of an a hole, but it's like she, it comes out of this paranoia, this the thing, and so she's going to say some things. You know, what a what a mean thing to say to Willow, and then Willow's going to react in a certain way. It just it just it it, it trickles out. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I thought I thought I just thought that was particularly interesting. Um, a, a, a good way to play it,
0: yeah. Obviously, yeah, 100%. Obviously, that prophecy stuff plays in there. Uh, mm-hmm. potential was such a big theme of the first film. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about that with the finger stuff. That was Willow's journey there. Here, everybody's trying to realize their best potential. It's very yeah. classic young hero stuff. Um, a couple other characters that had some stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, whoever you wanted to jump to first and you know we talked about Graydon a little bit but we also have borman we also have this stuff going on uh with i mean first of all rest in peace to case or kaz played by uh simon armstrong who is corn half hand um did not make it far into the journey um but we have our other uh big general character ballantyne who's been corrupted by evil um Mm -hmm. and is being sent after them so how did you feel about some of the stuff that was more like not ancillary in a bad way, but just like some of the side world building, some of the extra quest side characters.
1: Yeah. I would have taken an entire corn half and Simon Armstrong series. Uh, Any look, anytime we get Ralph innocent, it's not, he's not going to play a good guy. (laughs) He's Finchy from the office. Yeah. First night, uh, you know, game of Thrones season two. Uh, Mm -hmm. with Dagmar Uh, Dagmar so uh, I I was expecting that I was just expecting it and uh, I thought it played out and you need you need that kind of surface level big baddie leading to the other big bad so that was kind of fun but I did love the character born I do want to talk about Borman uh I I thought uh, a lot of um, you know when there were certain moments where some of the humor seemed to rub uh, against me it's a personal thing and again I think it worked and I laughed out loud a few times uh Tony River Laurie made me laugh. Mormon made me laugh more than any of them and I just thought it was it was it was played really well and and I'll, I got a shout out I think anyone who knows me would be upset if I didn't mention this uh they have in that horse chase a hmm. beat for beat call out to young guns 2 where I need to find out how it's got to be intentional or else it's a big oops I but it magic young guns 2 came out in 90 so I gotta imagine Cazden, yeah, it's in, it's in, it, it's something about it, or, or I think Dolan wrote the script, but that horse chase, and, and he's, and he's tossing out the word, and then they ask what that is. It, well, it's uh, whatever it was for stop. That is exactly Young Guns too. I absolutely pop for that, and really appreciated that call out because that was as it was happening, I was like, this is just like Young Guns too, and then they have that. So Borman's yeah. behind a lot of that. I love the character.
0: Yeah, that was a really good beat because. In a show full of so much magic, you're about to go off a cliff, about to go into water, and you're like, you're so trained to think, like, <laughs> oh, he's got a secret. Like, is his horse about to like run on air? Like, what, what's about yeah, to happen? Yeah, no, yeah. the horses end up in the water. It, it's just yeah. such a great anti, yeah. anti-climactic moment um, yeah. that it worked really well. But yeah, I really like his character. I'm, you know, I like a, a rogue who deflects with humor. I like yeah. that we get the slow reveal that, because at first it's an interesting thing, like, why does Sorsha visit this prisoner? Why do they know yeah. each other? Why does she care? And then, oh, he has a debt a debt to who? And then it's finally the I was your dad's squire. Um, yeah. Again, you know, we could I'm sure there are people that are really into, like, script structure and will knock that for him sort of bringing it up for no reason, just because it kind of needs to. I understand that. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I still thought it was a great moment, a great reveal. That actor is doing a really good job. Uh, again, still learning lots of people's names.
1: Um, Amar um, Shada Patel? Yes, Shadda. Amar Shahar Patel
0: uh, is yeah. great. Uh, uh, like you said, Dempsey Burke was great. Prince Eric is, sort of gets captured. I know he'll be um, in the rest, of, uh, the rest of the show. Uh, so we mm-hmm. will see him again. He's in some of the trailer stuff. Again, yeah. perfectly cast as Val Kilmer's kid. That's, that's um, stunning, yeah yeah he looks just like both of them and and you know joanne whaley and val kilmer were together for a while um yeah they they yeah, do actually yeah. have a son but maybe he was like i don't need to be that on the nose for yeah career.
1: <laughs> there's probably some other reasons val's not around but eh, you know yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's uh, yeah it's health and also i wouldn't be there anyway um hey.
1: yeah. why why weren't braun and cersei and scenes together uh
0: yeah yeah some little bit of that real world element there but uh i think it was you know just the Hollywood of it all. I think it was a great, um, a great example of writing around someone, you know? And I think that sometimes fans maybe want that a little bit more. I remember those were conversations we had as star Wars fans. And Mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. we knew Lando would be in nine, people were like, well, can we at least mention why he's not in seven or eight? Like, and I think that this was that handled about as elegantly as you could. Um, You know, he is still actively hanging over the plot um he's still important to several of the characters there in different ways um and you know willow gets a touching moment about him that like not even death would keep him from you that i'm paraphrasing but a moment but it's interesting to see sort of how dealing with the absent parent has sort of thrown them both off their path kit and eric um and there's some tender moments of that and there's and there's tender moments too of just like nostalgic beats like when you get sorsha busting out her sword and the willow theme kicks Ooh. in
1: love is that. that that sword's always that's one of my all-time favorite fantasy swords it's not discussed enough and fan are, are there are there fantasy sword discussions out there maybe there isn't no, i the love prophet. that love and she pulls it out and then and the pass it on ah, i love that
0: yeah that was really good stuff so as we start to wind down here you know there's lots again lots of stuff in terms of the actual world in terms of the knowing culture there's a, a lot of beats that go on little things that are just touched on but not fully fleshed out yet just to, to enhance sort of the roles. We know that Willow has his own apprentice, which is a, a little bit of growth from the first film where the first high Aldwin was not taking apprentices until Willow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of stuff that goes on in terms of these villains in this fight, um, which is probably an element that we that I know we haven't discussed and will probably be under discussed. And when Nikki and I revisited Willow 88, mm-hmm. we were like, this is like, Especially when she turns them all into pigs, and you get like the prosthetic makeup and all that, like it mm-hmm. was pretty scary. And I'd imagine it'd be scary for kids. And these villains, including uh, Jonas Swatma as the Scourge, the, this bird creature, this guy with the whips, these are excellently crafted horror fantasy characters
1: i am glad you mentioned that actually uh you know swatomo's the scourge is is great that reveals awesome but neil scanlan being involved in the design a lot of stuff there i i gotta say i thought that they were especially in the first episode which i was like okay cool i get what's what's going on they were the best part for me the design you got the one that looks like the mouth of sauron which i always enjoy Mm -hmm. uh, that design they were wonderful and 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 gave you kind of the little like chills there so I, i i can't wait to see more of that um in a show that has this kind of cheery bantery kind of you even got ruby Cruz at one point kit says hey i don't want to banter (laughs) it was just it was a great Mm -hmm. little kind of almost meta moment you got that and you got on the other side this this really kind of gothic evil hanging over and I, i did like that
0: yeah yeah it's it's extremely threatening there's lots of uh i don't say info dump in a bad way but info dumps uh in a fun way of like well, we have to go beyond the shattering sea to the immemorial city, the crone. It's like all these things that are thrown out. They just gave yeah, Ward yeah. as a list of terms, and we're like, can you just say all this and act like you know what it is? And it, it all but worked. Make out sure really it's well.
1: faster, more intense. Yeah, yes,
0: a hundred percent. And and he's he's slipped back into it so well, like we've been saying. Um, The last sort of big idea I wanted to touch on for these two, because you know we could be here. All night, just picking out specific little moments or going beat by beat. That's mm-hmm. not really what we do here. If you're just joining us um, on casually talk for Willow, uh, you will quickly find that we just get in love with an idea and we will just, you know, chase that that theme, that idea, and everything. And so,
1: yeah, it's, it's maybe we the, don't, yeah, yeah, for, the, for yeah, we can go beat by beat. We can, you, we're not reviewers. We, we're discussing the themes, but because that's how you take it home with you, and that's how right. it finds even me who 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 will say, you know, the, these. This show didn't hit me in the heart as much as for other people like I enjoy discussing. I'm already even more interested in it based on discussions around the parental mentor units just discussing it with you. So that's why we approach it from this angle here. Both the Game of Thrones Rings of power and now will.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that last big idea that I had, I got tons of notes here. I got a whole scratchy notes page here.
1: Oh, some good notes. The
0: entire idea of belief is so central to everything that George Lucas was doing, everything that he did with Bob Dolman and Ron Howard on that first film. Um, you know, Alora Dannon as a baby, something that I loved about that first film is that the the fairy Shalindra tells Willow, Alora Dannon already chose you as her guardian, even though she's a baby that can't talk. And it's just this belief in children. And mm-hmm. for Willow to be now confronted with the baby that believed in him before she could even speak and Mm -hmm. now he's questioning whether or not she was nurtured enough that's something that he keeps bringing up and it's the idea of belief being challenged by logic right by rules and that's something that star wars deals with a lot you know And, and star wars fans we've talked about this a lot with the rules like midichlorians force some people brush up against it being too defined not too defined mm-hmm. willow's story was one of believing in himself and of relying on his strengths like i already noted he defeats bav with sleight of hand and getting her her hubris to destroy herself but here he you know he tells silas she's not a laura dannon anymore i warned sorsha like if you don't nurture that stuff mm-hmm. um it can diminish how did that all land with you in terms of nature nurture and maybe be needing to be reminded that you do just need to sometimes believe and that those rules that willow read about because remember that first one ends with him getting a spell book and mm-hmm. probably read like oh but if i don't train her now if i don't train her now it's over he mm-hmm. has sort of forgotten that he was already an adult with a wife and kids when he started yeah you know
1: it's almost like, it's almost like a counter argument to some of his beliefs you know you got Sorsha on one side him on, on another other side here of just uh, the way even hearing you describe it is kind of like yeah, that potentially was the damage. And again, by the way, you know, if, 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 if she ends up, uh, you know, this is an entire life is just, uh, being a great, uh, cooker, a uh, baker of muffins. That that's, that's a great life too. Uh, you know, it, it's, if it's the life you want, it's the life you're, you're good at. Uh, and that's all one thing, but to have them just kind of have this irrational fear and, and take away, not just her agency, but just the ability to f- discover yourself in, in, in the right amount of time, um, uh, this is the journey she's on good or bad this is what Alora dannon is on this is the path she's on and and i thought that was a good moment um again go again because the parental kind of mentor conversation of like it's not done the journey's not done it's never done it's never done yeah
0: and it's never too late i mean that's something that we face in a lot of these myths and um am i too far gone can i redeem myself can, can is, is there hope for the group for the collective it, you know do you do you need to follow these rules of well magic is done this way there's lots of, it's, it's expressed in serious ways like talking about yeah. Laura dannon's uh you know being nurtured and being trained and how she might be too old too old to begin the training
1: mm-hmm. um
0: but also in funny ways like can you make food with magic and he's like no i tried that once and i was on the toilet for a week like <laughs> things like that willow's become very much about the system and the rules and trying to be high aldwin and he's got like responsibilities now but i think that that's why i love that wake-up call with his daughter where she grabs the wand and the chest and is like you're gonna give her this and you're Mm -hmm. gonna go because you know we grabbed i loved that the daughter's like you know i'm the one that found you um in that first film in the river uh she she sort of has to shake her dad out of out of Paranoia and out of complacency, and and say like, it's like she again. We joke that uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen and, and House of the Dragon has media literacy. Uh, Nims has media literacy. She's like, yeah. Dad, y- your first movie was about belief and in in the unexpected heroes. You were the tiny farmer that no one believed in. Now she's yeah. the young in love, kind of clueless baker. Yeah you need to go remind her of what she can be um yeah which is really powerful even if there is still the conversation to be had about well, why did y'all lie to me
1: yeah which is to come but also a lot of it is it, we'll see how how far they they go into because because willow does start to, to try to train but some of the stuff you're talking about there reminds me a little bit of uh i, I jumped to kanan and rebels and, and the stuff with sabine wren where it's like uh maybe the, the problem is you're just afraid of of, of failing as a teacher And and maybe that's what's going on here. And there's some of that stuff with him, too, of like – and I'm not saying Yoda was was on a different train. But have Willow kind of be like, ah, you know, well, she probably can't do it. It's like, well, if you teach her, if you continue to believe like you're saying. So it's the continued – again, this series does deal with growing up. We got a generation coming up, but we have some characters that have grown up. And now you really have to remind yourself that the lessons are still ongoing. And I think that's part of what's at play in Willow the character
0: absolutely absolutely so we'll move into final thoughts here i'll rattle off mm. a couple things we touched on it already uh i just want to stress again you know we, we we talked about it a little bit in our house of the dragon coverage no spoilers for that if you didn't watch that mm. show um but you know in terms of like queer representation this is such a cool moment i'm so glad to see the celebrate the celebration that's happened amongst fans um mm. i'm glad that you know john kazan and in, in media about it has been really championing these two characters of kit and jade. And I think that Ruby Cruz mm-hmm. and Aaron Kellerman have great chemistry, that's so great to see. I think the designs have been beautiful. I think that they, I, again, I'm not saying this the, to knock volume shows. Cause I guess what? My favorite <laughs> Disney plus shows are volume shows um, so far anyway. Uh, but the, uh, it, it's it's really lovely. Like it's just a lovely looking yeah. world that they've established. And, um it feels yeah. true to that uh, aesthetic from the first one but really fleshed out in some fun ways i think it's whimsical i think the music is great that was something mm-hmm. i wanted to note of course the first film was scormed, uh by uh, scored by james howard uh no uh, by james horner oh, yeah. who unfortunately we lost tragically in 2015 and it and was a legend they got james newton howard to come in and do the score here so you've got an, uh, one of his contemporaries and another amazing mm-hmm. composer i think it all worked really well uh and the direction uh you know by uh, steven woodfelden um who or what uh, a wolfenden sorry
1: yeah
0: wolfenden carry my own handwriting sometimes um he's done some doctor who done some outlander done some Dark, and was a second unit director on some harry potters um i think that he did a really good job you know the real world element of the first director is supposed to be John Chu. He drops out. This guy comes in. You know, it, sometimes that's that's a very high pressure situation, um, and I think it all played really well. The show's confident, which I really like. So, those are my I, that's, last thoughts. If you yeah, it's to, a great
1: yeah yeah great final thought. The show is very confident. I, I think this is uh, like I said. It it, it is exactly what i thought a willow series would be and i mean then in in all the great way great ways possible i have always had a different relationship to this um movie and and world than others and in that i've always loved it and in in, in a sense of it brings a a feeling of joy but it's not something not a world i've lived in a lot and so this series uh i have a different reaction to it and different involvement in the discussion of it but this did exactly what it wanted to do it it's not just a simple nostalgic love letter that that idea gets tossed around far too much in this era of legacy sequels. It's a valid question and you got to weigh each property on its own merits. This is to me, not just a nostalgia play because they're having a lot of fun, but they're also raising important questions about the next generation and the generation come up and the generation that experienced it. And it's interesting how that plays out. So I'm going to have a lot of fun tuning in every week. I'm really happy to see, um, Uh, see this happen and the cast seems like they're having a lot of fun i like the way it was shot uh i did not come into this expecting house of the dragon (laughs) and i don't think anyone should and if you're watching this and you're thinking it's not for me number one that's always okay Two, allow for what this who this story is for to allow them to reach it and and be met by the story if you know what i mean so uh, i'm very happy to exist very happy to exist that said uh then we're going to say we're going forward here uh on, 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 I might pop back in here try to come back from finale but we're going to bring some people on here who are really excited for this series and have always love the movie and they're going to follow your lead in discussing some of the themes and I think that's that's fun for me too uh, as an executive producer around these parts right now just to pull back and really f- the people who are moved by this series are going to come talk about what they love
0: yes Ken is going to be a bad martigan we're going to go send him to find a magical breastplate um, right. And then maybe he'll pop in for a cameo. Um, no, not a cameo. We're butchering that word as a culture. Um, for for a final appearance, an epic save. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said. Just echoing all yeah. of that. It's it's about intent, right? And and sometimes in life we say the phrase impact over intent, especially in moments of hurt. But in mm-hmm. art, intent is so important. If if John Cazden. Yeah. Wanted to be true to the cheese and to the wonder and to the heart of that first film. I think he absolutely nailed all three of those things. Legacy sequels. You already touched on it. Is it precious? Is it not precious? We don't think that's a bad thing here. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes being precious affords you really warm moments. Um, And the film, the the film, the film, the the show invites you back in with, with an actual storybook visual. Um, And so I, I think if, you know, if you're checking this out and, um, you just wanted to hear what we thought. Maybe you haven't seen it, which I know some people do. Um, and that's great. And hi, uh, that yeah. definitely, you know, give it to the kids in your life and, and let them, let them check this out. I think it's a great family watch and I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm excited for all the faces that are going to be popping in. I don't want to list off people because, you know, schedules always change, but some mm-hmm. friends, that you know, some friends that I haven't been on the channel before. Um, it's going to be a really exciting uh, eight weeks. I keep wanting to say six, but it's going to be eight, I believe. And then that's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Seven weeks, yeah. eight episodes. Um, yeah. so yeah, we're really p- positive on this show. We have our little issues, our little things that we brush up against. But again, uh, it's a brand new show. It's throwing you in, and I'm excited to see how these characters grow and change as this uh, party is now assembled. And now we've got to go save Alora Dannon because she got knocked out at the end of that first one. She um, did. Yep so uh ken uh, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you um, i do
1: hey i do you can find me on hive not posting anything at ken Knapsack, but also just ken Knapsack across all social media platforms go to my website kenapsuck.com i am selling books for the holidays why we live star wars get your personalized copy through the shop on my website uh you can check out force center pop rock and radio all the other things i do Alden, pitch it back to you to take us home
0: Yes, and you can find me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Hive at that Alden Diaz T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. Octo Radio Star Wars Podcast where we do Star Wars talk, writing on Star Trek.com sometimes. And uh, if there is a Twitter still when this episode comes out, that's where you can find me the most. Uh, but we will catch you next time in the kingdom of Tier Asleen.